Welcome to TV Chinwag, where we take one part cheeky talk, two parts witty banter, and dump in a whole heaping spoonful of snark. It's TV Chinwag. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Jules. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of TV Chinwag. This is episode number 27. My name is Ryan and with me as always is the woman who is unofficially dubbed the bonus Jonas brother, Jules. Um, oh, that's slightly disturbing, I think, and I'm probably most disturbing for the Jonas Brothers and for me. Um, are they still a thing? Um, well, one of them is in the show we're talking I, about today. That's right. Didn't they used to sing or something? It was one yep. of... This is my knowledge of the Jonas Brothers. Um, people may or may not know, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm very involved in fandom, and, and at one point everyone got obsessed with the Jonas Brothers, but... Um, they, I think they had a reality TV show, Disney TV show or something. So they weren't known right. outside mm-hmm. of um, uh, America, but it was fun to see. I don't know why people get obsessed with the teenage boys. I think teenage boys are probably one of the most repugnant species on the earth. But um, uh, as One Direction have found out, you know, it doesn't do you any harm. But, oh, they're smelly and horrible and they have no brain cells and, and lots of... Unlike teenage girls who are... Oh, God, don't even no, God! No, no, Ryan, step away from the teenage girl there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the anyway, only time teenage girls are good is when you're a teenager. Um, possibly, although it's pretty sucky to be a teenage girl, I can tell you. Oh, I can from me- from memory, <laughs> uh, very very dim memory of uh, some geological age ago when I was a teenage girl. Which we saw pictures of this week. Thanks to you for posting those. Oh yes, uh, in the it was the two hundredth episode of Supernatural this week, and it was set in a girls' school putting on a musical. It was a brilliant and wonderful episode, and uh, I think not just in terms of Supernatural, it will be one of those episodes that gets talked about. Uh, people talk about television, and particularly meta and fandom and everything but yes i did post some photos of myself from around the age of 14 15 from my own high school musical days looking very cute i know wasn't i cute what happened adorbs you probably got all the guys right Uh, no it was an all girls school um so uh i got all the girls (laughs) which was hey did you guys ever have to to uh, row across the lake to the boys school Uh, or is that something that only happens in the... Uh, yes, no, uh, yeah, it was in like, the middle of Melbourne, so we didn't have a lake. Um, uh-huh. And um, no, I don't think there was any, ever any shortage of boys for those who wanted them after hours. Um, but uh, yes, I was quite happy being in an all-girls school. Suited me down to, <laughs> down to earth. Right. Uh, uh, anyway, enough about that. Um Actually, that that's probably it was enough. like an all-you-can-eat buffet, really. <laughs> you could say that. I couldn't possibly comment, Ryan. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> but that, that we could do a segue. I did just want to acknowledge the 200th episode of Supernatural because that is a big milestone. Oh, sorry, I lied. My dog found a squeaky toy. Um, <laughs> it's a big milestone. It doesn't happen a lot on television. There's sort of uh, particularly for scripted dramas and for genre shows there's a few like uh, i think the x-files one of the stargates um i think buffy got to t- just over 200 so yeah uh, uh, yeah smallville i think is smallville the yeah pack. yeah um but for sci-fi uh series i mean 
sci-fi or fantasy, whatever, whatever uh, supernatural falls under, it's uh, it's a pretty big thing, and uh, you know we're uh, well speaking for myself, I'm <laughs> pretty proud to uh, to call that my show. It's uh, you know it's not the biggest and the best and the brightest, but uh, we have a lot of fun and we do some pretty cool stuff that you're certainly not going to see elsewhere. No, and I think that that's something um, where Supernatural has carved out, um, you know, a piece of territory all for itself, particularly in terms of, of doing these these meta-episodes where, you know, as I often say, you know, the show got rid of the fourth wall, put up a picket fence, backed over that, and then just forgot about it. Uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. think there's ever been any show that sort of taken uh, – I can't think of any show where it um, – it represents its or takes on its own fandom in such a not just a general way. Oh, we've got fans, but very specifically. I mean, the references and that in the in the two hundredth episode were they weren't generic fan references. They were very, very, very specific to Supernatural. Um, yeah, and some pretty deep pulls as well. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't your your average everyday. Uh, fandom type things. I mean, there's some really specific, deep references yeah. that, unless you're in fandom, you're not getting. No, and that's a risk for a show to take because obviously, of the people who watch Supernatural, not everyone is, uh, you know, a lot of people are casual viewers who watch it on telly and aren't spending uh, thousands of hours on social media and Tumblr and yeah. everything. Um, being part of fandom. So, you know, that says something about where the show's head's at. And it had songs that were good and I can't get them out of my head. <laughs> Very catchy tunes, yeah. They did an amazing job with those. I mean, just to come up with, you know, big show tunes like that and uh, and throw them up. I want to know how well the album sales are doing because, you know, they put together their EP and, and put it out on iTunes. Um, certainly um, from the other know. day, and this was only the day after, um it was actually up there in the, the, the top, like, 30 of soundtrack. Um, it, it wasn't listed, like, as an album, but the individual tracks were in, like, the top 30 of um, um, soundtrack sales, and the song uh, Road So Far got in the top 100 of songs all over. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Uh, I can see it going higher. I mean, that's just that's just a few days, right? So yeah, and that's um, um, you know you have to take into account fandoms also good at um, sharing things and not buying them. So um, that probably cut back on sales. Yeah, and you know it's not like anyone's you know taking food out of people's mouths. I don't think by doing that, but sure would be damn fun to see it right near the top of the charts. I mean, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's what I've been telling people. You know, for this one, spend the spend the seven dollars to buy the album, and uh, let let's get it up the charts. But yeah, look, they did a great job. It was lots of fun, and and also as uh, Supernatural always does, it didn't. Uh, it actually, you know, was grounded in the show. It wasn't just oh, this is all a dream or something. It was actually had some relevance to um, uh, the show, and there were some really nice emotional beats as well. So. Um, I may have teared up a little bit. <laughs> Will there be con uh, uh, presentations of the second act? <laughs> I think there'll be there'll be con presentations of all of it. Um, I I am I don't know. There is a convention on in LA this weekend. I'm had heard. I don't know if anyone. I mean, carry on my way with son gets sung at every convention anyway. Um, right. Regardless, and, yeah. and actually. Um, 
Katie Sarif, who who was the lead in the the episode, was at karaoke last night. So that's all sort of very meta. Um, so I am very sure there will be performances, there will be cosplay of uh, the characters from the episode, and there will be singing. We are a fandom who likes to sing. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so VanCon this year, Ryan, I expect you to be joining in. <laughs> you, I think I might go as Mary Winchester in a white gown. With the... Carry on my <laughs> Very good. Like I can see you as thank a you. blonde as well. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. People um, tell me that all the time. In um, supernatural tangentially related news, uh, co-show runner Jeremy Carver was uh, in the news this week. Interesting. He was uh, announced as writing or, or being asked to write the TV rendition of the movie Frequency. Do you which, are you familiar what, with? Came out ten years ago. Uh. 15 years More? ago. Yeah, it was 2000. Yeah. Uh, which I was- liked the movie when it came out. It was about uh, a guy who'd lost his dad many years before. He pulls out the the ham radio and tunes in his father in the past. And they have a conversation over the ham radio from you know the past to the, mm. the future. And that in itself was touching. But then they then they have to get together and solve a mystery, I think, didn't they? Yes, yes. Uh, and I, Scooby-Doo style? Yes. And I, so this is going to be like a... Crossing generations, crossing time, solving stuff uh, show for, um, well, it's for Warner Brothers, for NBC. Um, so, interesting concept. I'm, I'm a big sucker for time travel stuff, and, um, you know, it often does your head in with all the timey wimey. Um, can you change your own? future or past and, and all mm. that um yeah. and and i'm sure as a writer it could probably drive you quite crazy trying to work out all that but um uh interesting no word on what that means for for jeremy's involvement with supernatural where he's been showrunner for the last uh uh with bob singer for the last three years um of course there's still talk of the supernatural spin-off trying that again this season um no idea what the... What if Frequency is the supernatural spin-off? Ooh! Ooh, and the Winchesters communicate with their dad back in time. Ooh! Ooh. That's actually a really good idea. Um, that was just a complete off-the-cuff. I know. Wow! No, no, and it's uh, unlikely to happen given that the spin-off, the um, Frequency show is for NBC, and I... Uh-huh. I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't be the first time. I mean, yeah, unlikely to be a spin-off, but good idea. I like the whole Winchester's communicating with John because uh, that's something fandom is uh, always always wanting to see some more John Winchester. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't don't know what it means. I mean, we've got a couple of great EPs in in Andrew Dab and Adam Glass who could obviously step up to to show run uh, Supernatural. Who knows what Supernatural's longevity is? At this point, yeah. people keep being hopeful about the future, but, you know, 10 years, it's uh, probably not got another 10 years to go. Um, no, but, um, you know what, my phone is open, so if they want to call me and, uh, you know, they need it done, I, I'm willing to step up. Okay, Warner Brothers, if you're listening, <laughs> you yeah, have a... If you want a complete noob uh, Some new blood? Show. There you go. Then uh, give me a call. I mean, I can't really write or anything like that. I but, uh, don't know about that, Mr. Curtis. <laughs> uh, well, that's yet to be seen. Um, anyway, interesting news. Always good to hear um, uh, of new projects with people who I think are good 
because there's people who aren't good writing television as well out there. Um, you know what? I, I think there's less people who are not good at writing television as there are about bad producers insisting yeah. on putting stupid things into their show. That's that's. I, I really hope, anyways, because there's so many talented people out yeah. there. There's so many talented writers with great imaginations. I can only imagine that they're being held at gunpoint. Yes, and uh, the other side of that coin is the sad thing is people are still watching shows like Scorpion, so... You can never um, underestimate the stupidity of the viewing audience as well. That's you people listening and me sometimes and Ryan. Sometimes we watch television that's not good and we still enjoy it and we're bad people for doing that. Uh, You shouldn't encourage them. Someone who made a lot of amazing television and certainly for... Uh, a, a, you know, a few generations, and I'm sure for both you and I, Ryan, um, who died this weekend, is Glenn A. Larson, a behemoth in uh, television, particularly in the 70s and 80s, responsible for such shows as Magnum P.I., Knight Rider, the original Battlestar Galactica, uh, Quincy M.E., Six Million Dollar Man, um uh, alias Smith and Jones, you name it. Um, so many shows that, um, uh, you know, I just can't think of what life growing up would have been like without all those shows on my TV. Yeah. And I think probably yeah. along with Stephen J. Cannell, uh, Glenn, Glenn Larson's name was one of those first names that I started to take notice of on the end credits and going, oh, it's another Glenn Larson show. It's another Glenn Larson show. Um, what were your favourites out of his, uh, his... Well, I mean, Knight Rider had to be one of my all-time favourites, although <laughs> later <laughs> in life, and, I, and by that I mean, you know, 12 years ago, I really started getting into Magnum P.I. in a big oh, way, yeah. which totally holds up, by the way. Like, if you can just turn it on, it's still got all the charm that it used to. And I think that was um, one of his, you know, his shows were often, uh, you know, case of the week type procedurals in some way or another, but he always, there was always a twist to the concept. Uh, great sense of humour. Like, he, you always got the sense of, uh, uh, not that the shows didn't take themselves seriously, but there was always something there that, that lightened them and, and did some really out there stuff, you know. Uh, you think of... Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, interestingly, often got uh, certainly back in the in the late seven uh, early eighties, um, criticised for ripping off movies. So, for example, uh, Battlestar Galactica was sort of the the original was uh, sort of condemned at first as a Star Wars rip off, Alias Smith and Jones as a Butch Cassidy rip off. Um, you know, and these days, no one would even think of saying that. It's like well, we've just talked about adapting, you know, a movie for television. Um, and you know this idea that he was taking ideas from you know successful genre movies and translating them into not even you know directly but just taking the seed of an idea and um, making yeah. a series out of it um, uh, and just so many iconic you know both you know actors uh, you know who came up through these movies uh, are these series and, and a range of genres too you know you think he did Buck Rogers Rogers in the 25th century and Battlestar and then you've got uh, Magnum P.I. and the Fall Guy right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fall Guy was one of my favorites too as a kid you know just uh, they're great they're great stories and these are all things that I mean, essentially, we're living off the grandchildren of. I mean, oh, for sure. St- stories nowadays are, are direct takeoffs of, of these sorts of things. So it's fun to see sort of where they came from and, uh, 
And if uh, if we're going to continue to see them, I mean, it's only a matter of time before they make a Fall Guy movie, right? Yeah, and look, I'd like to see that there was something about the shows like Fall Guy and, and Six Million Dollar Man and, and even Magnum P.I. As I said, they were these sort of procedurals. They were like adventure stories. And I think it's sort of a bit of a genre in the hour-long, uh, you know, dramas that... Uh, I suppose we see some of that, but it was very episodic television. You know, there was no um, – they weren't serialised at all. There was rarely any myth arc that went over, you know, even a couple of episodes, let alone a season. Um, that part of television is very much owned by the police procedurals these days, although even they often have a serialised component, you know, your NCIS, CSI, Law and Order. But, uh, you know, I'd like to see a return back because one of the good things about these shows and one of the reasons they're still around on, you know, being syndicated and that is you can dip in at any time, you know. You can catch an episode from any season and you're not going to be wondering about, you know, what's been the overarching story for that season and have to to work all that out. Um, Yes. uh, People's uh, intentions are are laid out pretty... <laughs> Pretty straight. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of depth. And they, well, and they don't. They they exist uh, with almost no me- like. They don't move forward in time. Re- you know, often. Uh, they they yeah. it could. They just happen each week without really often little reference to the previous weeks. But um, you know, again, with my little obsession with you know how we watch television these days, I suppose. With the thing, things like Netflix, it is easier to catch up on myth arcs and serialised televisions as you binge watch things. Whereas in the old days, um, you know, you turned the telly on and you watched what was on the telly. And so you yeah, weren't... If you wanted serialised drama, you went over to your Dallas or your Dynasty or yeah. those sorts of and, things. And you had to... Co- but it has no place on the Fall Guy. <laughs> But you had to Out of commit. My cold dead hands. <laughs> you had to commit to those uh, shows right. too. Like you couldn't catch up with Dynasty. Um, although you know that's that's when all this stuff about writing recaps for TV really started. Was in the you know in the magazines that came out, and if you had mi- missed two weeks of Dynasty, you would read the recaps so that you could get back right. into it. Um, right. Again, with with the. You know, as soon as we started more easily being able to record, and and now with streaming and everything, you don't need that as much. But people are still writing recaps of television, and I wish everyone would stop it. Um, yes, <laughs> sorry, little rant there. Um, <laughs> so yes, uh, Vale Glen A. Larson, your legacy um, will live on in both your shows, and as Ryan said, in the influence. Um, uh, he's had, I suppose, personally on people's careers and um, on, on the way we tell stories on, on television. Um, as certainly, yeah, my, our viewing histories would have been very different uh, without him. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, certainly succeeded in life. He did. I hope he, had a, I hope he thought it was a good life. <laughs> I don't don't know him well enough for that. Uh, any other TV news you've got, Ryan? Um, not really. No, I uh, I haven't really been paying much attention to the news today. I thought you were taking care of that. Oh, God, I have to do all the heavy lifting, don't I? Um, no, God, I hope so. <laughs> I'm a weakling, ninety pound weakling, and that's just one arm. Um. Let's move on to shows. No, no, no. Um, I've still got some more news. Oh, Jules, it better be a good one. 
got a couple of bits of news. Probably the most exciting one is one I know someone that both you and I think is an incredible director is Michelle McLaren. People will know. Oh yeah. People will know from her work on on shows like The Walking Dead and particularly Game of Thrones, where um, she's done some of the most incredible episodes. I think the big one last season was the battle at the um, the Night Watch battle. Um, that happened at the wall in uh, in Game of Thrones, and and you know she's yeah. done some amazing amazing work there, and she's been mentioned as a possible director for the upcoming Wonder Woman movie, uh, which is just it's not just whether it's you care about the Wonder Woman movie or not. I, it's just nice to see uh, not a lot of female directors around uh, in either film or television, and it is nice to see someone from TV whose uh, work has been noted uh, and is excellent getting a, a shot at movies. Did you ever see the Wonder Woman TV pilot? No, no, the one with Adrian Palicki. No, I didn't. Yeah, it is out. It's on uh, YouTube. Somebody ripped it. It's like a look like a director's cut or a, you know a producer's cut one. So some of the visuals are missing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's terrible. Yes, it's I had heard it was pretty really appalling. <laughs> I don't know how you make Wonder Woman acceptable in this day and age. Um. Look, if we can have a... Su- Besides the fact that it, she has a woman in her name. Yes, which, I was going to say, if we can know, have a successful movie that stars a tree and a raccoon, then I think you can probably nah. sell woman, Wonder Woman to the masses. Their talk of the story is that it will be set in the 20s, which I think is interesting. Um, oh, that is, yeah. Uh, so, both, both for a couple of reasons. I think uh, because of the Depression, it's a time when, you know... The world, aka America, needs a hero. Um, it's also uh, interesting time for women because it was a point where you know women had just got the vote. Uh, women are starting to move into the workforce. You've got pre World War Two stuff, so you can, you know, you can have some nasty Nazis around. Um, and you know, in terms of the look of the the um, movie, it would distinguish it from you know the current crop of superhero movies which except for the the first uh, captain america movie have all been uh, you know contemporary so you know look there's some stuff there obviously the writing will um will show out i don't know why people think wonder woman's a hard story to tell i mean she's no more her origin stories and all that are no more challenging than you know thor god of thunder <laughs> so no but are you able to tell the story and Get away from a, a sexist slant. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I certainly think you can, uh, but we'll have to see what they come up with. They haven't asked me to write it, so um, <laughs> um, we'll have to see what they what they go with. But uh, if um, if Michelle McLaren directs, I would be thrilled to see that. The other person who's actually been mentioned as a director, which would be a huge leap, is Jennifer Kent, who's an Australian director who's had a lot of success with a horror movie this year. Um, her first feature called The Babadook, um, and she's been she's been mentioned. Also, uh, Leslie Linker Glatter, who's from Homeland, uh, a show that I'm not watching this season, um, but she's been mentioned as a possible director as well. So I'm also I'm just interested in that crossover from TV to movie, which is something you don't see for directors off very often. You know, we've seen that. Uh, Bleed now of actors moving quite freely between the two, but not so much with the TV directors going into movies and vice versa. 
Yeah, except for someone we'll talk about in a in a few weeks' time, Steven Soderbergh, who's uh, just directed um, a season of television for a series called The Nick, which I I hope you which I haven't watched yet, which you must because I'm absolutely passionate about it. Um, So do it. Uh, one last little bit of news, which is goes on the what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> WTF? Uh, mm-hmm. Oscar, uh, we had I think the the Hollywood Awards, some bizarre award show I'd never heard of. Anyway, uh, awards season kicked off this month and and going through to February, where when the Oscars um, are on, and uh, it's pe- whoever's hosting is uh, is always a. Um, a matter of conjecture and and great interest. Neil Patrick Harris will be hosting this year, and the person writing for him, um, not a well-known you know comic writer or or anything, is um, Greg Belanti from Arrow and the Flash. Oh. <laughs> He'll be joined by another Arrow writer and Flash creator, Andrew Kreisberg. And uh, the other person on the writing team is, the, and this is probably the one of most concern, the guy who wrote Green Lantern, the movie, <laughs> so <laughs> which was appalling. So we have uh, basically a team that would be great to write a superhero movie writing the Oscars. So I don't understand what, like, why these guys, this doesn't make sense to me. Uh, what do they know about, I mean, maybe they know a lot, I, I don't know their body of work but it, yeah like it sounds to me like they're superhero writers comic book writers what the fuck are they doing writing for the academy awards um do you watch the academy awards ryan uh yeah i've seen it so you'd know that over the past few years there's been a widely uh, varied quality in the uh uh, often excruciating scripts that uh, both the host and the uh, the presenters have to read. Uh, my comment would be, it couldn't be any worse. <laughs> well, Jules, we've we've reviewed uh, Flash and Arrow. I I attest that it could be much worse. And well, hiring writers writers from those shows, it, it very well might be. Who, who knows? It will be fascinating to watch. Would be my comment. Well, I'll be tuning in for sure. <laughs> Maybe I, I yes. Look, I've no idea where it'll go. It it just does seem a very bizarre uh, and fascinating collection of people to get together to write for the Oscars. And um, hey, even if it's a train wreck, I would love to watch it because sometimes train wrecks are good. No, I don't think that's ever been said. No, before. no, it probably has. People are like, you know what? <laughs> That was a good fucking train wreck. That was a good... You know, I was worried that we weren't going to get food to the, the other towns, but this train wreck, it doesn't matter as much anymore. Uh, okay, forget I said that. Look, I'm, I'm in a slightly compromised state today, um, so, you know, just let's move on to the shows we're going to talk about, Ryan. So today we're going to talk about... One of the shows we're going to speak about is a TV show that I wasn't even aware of, actually. You had brought it up. Uh, that you were watching it, and we re- we agreed to review it, and it's a TV show called Kingdom. Fighting's a mind fuck. Fighting hurts. Unless you're a psychopath, I got no time for guys like that. 
Have you heard of this gym? Navy Street MMA, it's in Venice. It's run by this guy, Alvi Kalina. You've probably heard of him. He's a legendary fighter. Most guys run from fights because they don't want the answer to the inevitable question that they whisper to themselves. Am I one of the weak? Am I one of the strong? Where do I line up in the pecking order? Fighters need that. It lifts them up, it feeds them. It's a truth they gotta have. And I don't have that anymore. <laughs> yes. Not to be confused with Kingdom Hospital. No. Or any Or the Kingdom. Or the Kingdom. This is a um a new series um on a network well it's on Direct TV, I think. It's on some network I'd never heard of. Um and it's basically well, it's based around a family, I suppose, is, is the is the core of it. But it's based around um, MMA, which is mixed martial arts, which you might fill in the listeners a bit about, Ryan, because you probably know a little bit more about it than me. Yeah, I'm a, I've, I've been a big fan of mixed martial arts for many years. Um, people know it as UFC or Ultimate Fighting or Cage Fighting. It goes by many uh, names, uh, Pride Fighting. It, essentially... The basis of what mixed martial arts is, beyond the obvious, it's mixed martial arts. It's two fighters in a cage squaring off against each other. There are rules, but the rules are very simple, straightforward. No, you know, poking people in the eyes, no pulling hair, no breaking fingers, uh, no. <laughs> that's about <laughs> it. To the head, and that's about it. And depending on where you're fighting, those rules do change. Um, it's you know a fairly new sport, although people have been fighting for. I mean, it's the <laughs> first sport. Uh, the first sport there ever was was competitive fighting. I'm sure. Um, I really enjoy it because I, I come from a long line a of long fighters. Time, but, <laughs> no, a long line of fighters. Yeah, um, I, I come from watching the UFC and watching the Ultimate Fighter reality show, which uh, in the first season it was on Spike. That was a huge, huge moment. Um, friends of mine had watched UFC before and always said, you know, you got to come watch it. You, you, you'll really get into it. I always sort of likened it to the wrestling or, you know, yeah. something really grotesque and, and gory. And it wasn't until I watched that first season of The Ultimate Fighter on Spike and they actually did a they did a back-to-back-to-back kind of a, a thing right before the finale. And... It follows fighters in a house living together, competing for a contract, essentially. And that was what hooked me. And just seeing these fighters, getting to know their backstories, getting to know their personalities, and uh, then taking it to the ring and putting their whole, you know, their whole life on the line and their existence and, you know, what they'd sacrifice to be there. Um, you know, these people aren't glutes and idiots. Well, not necessarily, anyways. Um, you know, they come from a huge background. I mean, a lot, most of them have university degrees, um, you know, teachers, uh, accountants, uh, IT professionals, all sorts of things uh, that go into the field of mixed martial arts, and they, and they fight. Um, there's a, an, a, an absolute delicate art to fighting. Um, it's... It's really quite a beautiful sport. There's a lot that goes into it. So you're going to have your, your hand-to-hand combat, your boxing. You're going to have kicking. Uh, so you'll have your taekwondo or karate-style kicking. But then you can also have, you know, Thai boxing-type kicking with knees and uh, clinches. And then you take it to the ground, and you're going to have your Gre- Greco-Roman wrestling. Um, you're going to have your jiu-jitsu, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, for submissions and submission holds. 
And then you have ground and pound where you literally just get on a dude and wail away on his face until the referee stops it. <laughs> Which is easier said than done. So, uh, for me, uh, it's it's a really interesting lifestyle. And watching the Ultimate Fighters and watching many seasons of Ultimate Fighters, you learn who these guys are. And UFC is a brilliant organization that literally went from rags to riches. Um, you know, I think... Dana White and the Fertitas bought it for $2 million um, 12 years ago. And now it's worth, uh, I mean, pick a number. It's private, so they don't say, but uh, $50 billion? (laughs) I I wouldn't say would be an exaggeration. I I think you could probably do that with it. Uh, You know, now they're on Fox Sports. They're very mainstream, and uh, it seems to be getting more popular and more popular all the time. Mm. Um, one of my podcasting idols, Joe Rogan, uh, is a commentator on UFC, and that's sort of how I got interested in him. Um, and so, if you're into podcasts, hopefully you are. If you're listening to this, uh, the Joe <laughs> oh, Rogan. Oh no, they might listen to really only our podcast. That could very well be, and that's okay. But you, you know, you can broaden your horizons. That's what we're here for. Um, so to see your show, and, and you had mentioned the show, Jules, and I hadn't heard of it, Kingdom which is essentially about a mixed martial arts school, a, a gym uh, where fighters are coming up, uh, was really interesting to me. Because you see that all the time in the real world. And, you know, it'll be this guy's gym or this yeah. guy trains with this guy. And that's sort of a known thing. Or, oh, you know, so-and-so left this gym and is now training over here with this guy in this camp. Um, so to see that played out in a, in a TV show is really interesting. And I, I'm thinking, well, that's something that's right up my alley. And I hope they don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched Kingdom, um, and I watched four episodes of it. Jules, I think you just saw one or two. Uh, yes, just the first not couple. Nearly no, not nearly enough, and I do apologize. I, I hate that I haven't watched more, because I did really, really like it, or do really like it. Now, are, do you have any interest in fighting at all? Not particularly, not as um, okay. not as a sport to watch. Um, I've been aware of it. Um, I have a couple of friends who uh, who've been into various martial arts themselves over the years, and their their personal trainer is involved in MMA here. Um, and it's been quite controversial here in the state I live in. In Victoria, cage fighting is actually banned, um, so they can't use cages here. Um, it's allowed in New South Wales, which is the the other big state. I'm not sure about Queensland. Right, I've seen matches in Sydney. Yeah, so they, Sydney they, they can do it, but they can't use cages down yeah. here, which is which is unfortunate. And in fact, we've we've actually got a, an election coming up, a state election coming up here, and it's become a bit of an issue. Um, yeah. uh, the party that's not in power supports allowing cage fighting. Um, sure. Anyway, so I, I it sounds worse than it is. It really does sound worse. <laughs> yeah, than well, it is. yes. Um, uh, it, it's uh, and I think again, it's one of those things where people have had a knee jerk reaction to oh, cages. No, don't put people in cages yeah. without actually looking into why there's a cage, and you know, and there are strong um, arguments for for it actually improving safety because you don't have people being thrown out of the ring and yes. a whole lot of things like that. But anyway, which and, and that's all it, uh, it does add a whole another level to the game. If you ever, I mean, not that you're going to, but you can go watch back and watch Pride Fighting, which was actually mentioned in one of the episodes of Kingdom. Um, they it was the exact same thing except they had a boxing style ring and. It wasn't interesting because when fighters would get down and they're grounding and pounding and doing jujitsu, they just sort of roll yeah. out from underneath the ropes and then they have to stop and reset. And to me, having the cage there prevents that from happening, mm. so the fight continues. So mm. uh, it does add a whole nother level of, of competition. But 
Yeah, it, it's not like they lock them in there and there's no escape <laughs> yeah. until somebody wins. Yes. That's not really... Two men enter, one man leaves. It's not yeah. Thunderdome. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I do certainly have an, an awareness of it. Um, and, and my friends go to matches both both here and, and in Sydney and have, um, you know, so they've got some connection with the, with the sport here and are great, um, uh, great supporters of it. Um, one thing that the thing that probably drew so I I, I was interested because I don't think we've had um, any you know is it's entree into sort of drama I suppose we haven't had show with which has uh, been quite like this or as though, as you point out the sort of uh, UFC in a way was a bit reality type based and we, I suppose we've seen these real life stories play out but this obviously is a, a scripted drama the other thing that drew me to it was um the fact that it's set in LA now um I think I mentioned this before but you know five and certainly ten years ago there were no tv shows set in LA and we've seen a real renaissance um in the last five years of shows being set there I think Southland was one of the uh, big ones uh with Michael Cutlets uh, now in Walking Dead, Ben McKenzie now in Gotham. Um, but we've seen more and more, and you and I have talked about um, House of Lies, episodes, Donovan, um, Transparence, uh, which is the Amazon series I'm sure we'll review at some point. Uh, it's been good to see these shows being set in LA because I think LA's a very, very fascinating place. And one thing I love that Kingdom does is it's set around Venice Beach, um, and it really uh, bright, desaturated uh, look. That it's almost like how they often film uh, Florida. So it's got that real beach feel to it. But this is not pretty people on the beach going surfing and having lattes. It's it's a mm-hmm. dark show. So the, the 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 look of the show, the brightness, and the where it's set is is almost in direct uh, contrast to the fact that you know this is set amongst people who are um, you know they're not well off. They you know these are people who are, you know pretty much scrabbling to get by. I mean the the, the family in it has done quite well uh, out of fighting. The 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 story is based around, but they're certainly not um, they're certainly not rich in the LA sort of. Uh, mode of rich and you get the feeling that most of the people who've got into this sport have have you know uh certainly in this this story in kingdom have have you know come from the school of hard knocks i think one would say yeah i would say so and that's that's i mean that's the fighter's tale it's not exclusive but it's pretty common i mean coming up in the streets and learning how to fight and then moving on and and doing good things you know i like it because i recognize a lot of the sort of um, ancillary characters uh, that are in it, like Joe Stevenson and so Joe Daddy you Stevenson said that, that, a fighter. So there's actually time. people in the show who are... Yeah, and they, and, and you know, I know them from watching UFC, from watching The Ultimate Fighter. They were contestants on Ultimate Fighter and sort of came up. So they become names, yeah. you know, whether they're, they're actual standouts as the best fighters in the world, the, but they become names. Yeah, and you, personalities, known, yeah. Right? Yeah, so Chris Lieben was on an episode quite recently. Chris Lieben was... Uh, you know, has been or was in UFC for many, many years. So it's fun to see that sort of real life crossing over into fictional life. Um, I guess we haven't really said what the show is about. The show is about this gym and this family that runs the gym, um, the Kalina family. And the father is uh, Elvi Kalina, who's played by Frank Grillo. Um, 
who plays and forgive the reference, Jules, you may not get this, but he's he he reminds me sort of of a Frank Shamrock sort of a character. You don't necessarily know who that is, nope. but he's kind of like a big Italian kind of, a, or sorry, an Irish kind of a a, a bit of a glute. Yeah, uh, he runs his gym, and he he's he's all heart. You know, he's he really cares about the guys that are coming in, and he wants them to win. He wants to have champion. Uh, the gym is losing money. His wife's on his, his balls about you know letting people train for free, and they're losing money. They're going to be out of business, and he really needs to have a prize fighter come through here. Um, we were introduced to a character named Ryan Wheeler, who's played by Ma- Laura uh, Luria, who was a prize fighter, real big up and coming champion, who then fell into problems with the law, fell into problems with drugs and drinking, and actually had to go to jail for a while. And that was sort of the Kalina's big guy, the gym's big guy uh, on the Navy Street gym, who was going to be the next champ until this sort of stuff happened. So when we're introduced to the family in the show, Ryan Wheeler is sort of just coming out of prison or rehab and starting to try and reconnect with people in his life. Um, he used to be in a relationship with um, with the woman, Lisa, who's now with our, our main guy, uh, Alvi. Uh, so there's some animosity there. That used to be his girlfriend, now she's with him and, and this sort of thing. So that adds a, a little bit uh, of turmoil to it. But up and coming is Nate Kalina, who's... Elvie's son, his youngest son, and this is actually played by Nick Jonas. We get to the reference in the opening. Um, Nick Jonas of the Jonas Brothers Band, uh, who plays uh, an up-and-coming young fighter. Um, who does, uh, and uh, despite what I know no, almost nothing about the Jonas Brothers, but I think he does a very, yeah. very good job here. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. He, he looks great. He plays the part 100%. He's a good actor. Yeah. Uh, he really, and he's in shape, and he can fight, and all that stuff. So he's uh, he's the real deal for sure. Take nothing away from him. Uh, and I should mention, and then there's a character. Uh, sorry, there's a character whom I really like a lot. And his, it's uh, the character is Jay Jay Kalina, uh, played by yes. Jonathan Tucker, who's this wild and crazy man. Oh. You know, he's always doing drugs and chasing women and getting into fights and parties and won't take his life serious. He kind of reminds me of, again, sorry for the reference, but uh, a timely one. He reminds me of like a um, uh, um, a um, Mayhem, a Jason uh, Mayhem Miller uh, character who's just, you know, borderline schizophrenic, crazy, bipolar. Uh, and he's actually the son of Alvi Kalina, the, the main guy. So it, I, I apologize because it's confusing because they don't look like they're that much difference in age. <laughs> like our our main guy, Alvi, looks, you know, he probably looks maybe 40. Yeah. But then Jay looks like he's, you know, 32. So I didn't know that it was his dad for the longest time. And, <laughs> and I, it kind of in, in a, Once you work it out, it, it does work, though, because Jay is meant to have been someone who's really hit it hard in terms of both the, the fighting and the drugs. And he lives in this sort of... Uh, weird open share house where uh, the Nick Jonas character is is sort of moved into, and uh, his life chaotic is uh, probably yeah. probably a good word. But you know, you get again, you get the sense that there's uh, there's a good person in there, but a whole lot of shit in life has worked against him having a good life, basically. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's created most of it himself. Yeah. Uh, but I'm trying to say he's not a dislikable character. He's certainly not anyone mm-hmm. I'd want to be within, you know, ten kilometers of at any point in my life. But he's he's a he's sort of a likable character in a way. There's a a sense of humor about him, and uh, yeah, 
I was um, engaged. Um, with him. I think he's fantastic. I think he's really great. But to me, the age difference and and the way they look, I I can't reconcile it. I could see him as being brothers, but not the son. Well, which is so which is what I of, thought they were at the beginning. I thought yeah, they were brothers. Yeah, and that takes me out of okay. it actually. And I don't know if they needed to make Alvy the main guy older. Yeah, know, put some gray in his hair and make him a little bit older, or um, cast somebody younger for Jay. Although it's nice you know, having if Nate and Jay flipped. Maybe that. Yeah. I don't know, that wouldn't work. But it's either. nice having Anyways, Jay as um, the older brother. So I think it's and, yeah. and Nate because Nate's yeah. very much just starting. Jay's been you know through a lot of this and and has that older brother relationship. But yeah. you're right. The yeah. Frank Grillo's character Alvy really you know he needs another fifteen years on him, or at least needs to look another yeah. fifteen years older. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. uh, because yeah, it doesn't quite quite play as as, as well. Um, although interestingly, uh, Frank Grillo is actually fifty. So is he? He, God, he, looks he young. is actually he is actually twenty years older than Jonathan Tucker, who plays Jay. So, wow. uh, sorry, I just looked that up then. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> that, but that's interesting, isn't it? Because then on paper you'd yeah. say, well, of course he can play uh, can play his yeah. father, and it's just visually it 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 does take you out of it because he doesn't look um, he doesn't look that old. Um, no, and he certainly doesn't act fifty. Like his character <coughs> acts like he's thirty eight. <laughs> yeah. Right, 30, it's very specific, Ryan. Um, yeah. And I should mention um, Ryan Wheeler, the the character you mentioned, who sort of comes back in, uh, uh, having come out of jail. He's living in a halfway house. Is uh, played by Matt Lauria, who some people will know from. I believe he was on Parenthood, which I've never watched, but he was. Uh, I know him as uh, he was Luke Cafferty on Friday Night Lights, and he's a great actor. I really, um, I really like him in this, and. Um, it's so it's it, it's um a fractured family uh it's uh they're struggling both with their personal relationships and with the business of this gym i was um ha- how do you feel about the fighting in it which i mean the, no, the, the stuff yeah, the really stuff good. in the cage yeah. cuz there's a lot happened yeah. there's a lot happens in back alleys and streets as well yeah was that the first uh, the first episode was it uh, Nate's character that goes and fights yes uh, yeah, and that's a it's a great fight. I mean, that's that's exactly right. Nothing is. They've got some uh, some pretty good guys on staff. They're telling them what to do. So choreography is is dead on. Looks great. Um, which I love. Right. I, I nothing worse than well scorpion. Just see the scorpion episode for me to start going on. <laughs> well, and I think that would have been a challenge for this. You can't fake this shit. I mean, yeah. uh, it's yeah. it, it's. If people are going to watch a show about MMA, and I would say the majority of the audience coming to this, uh, at first anyway, until probably word of mouth gets around about the content, uh, are going to be MMA fans. And they're going to leave in droves if it looks faked or it looks, you know, like they're not really, you know, really doing it. So um, it's good to hear that you think um, uh, that that's worked out, that's worked out well. Um it is one of those shows, um, like a few of the shows I've watched, and I mentioned Friday Night Lights, which took me uh, a while to be convinced that I should watch a show that was sort of a family drama set around high school football, which, you know, ticked all my buttons of do not want, uh, and it turned out to be one of my favourite series. Um, so I can understand a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I don't want to watch a show about fighting. It's a show about a family, um, and fighting happens to be their, their business. Um and in fact, 
there's a nice contrast in the narrative between uh, those preconceptions people would have about the brutality in the ring. Uh, You actually see that, you know, life outside the ring can be a hell of a lot more brutal (laughs) than than that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, it can. Interesting thing that, and and I'll be, as I do watch more of this, because I certainly will, uh, I was talking to my friends who are are UFC fans last night, and and, um, my friend Roland pointed out one of the differences between, say, this sort of fighting and boxing, and he said, look, in boxing, it's all about, just about domination. You punch someone until they, you know, you knock them out. He said, the, in MMA, the difference is it's both about domination and submission. Um, that it's that it, it there's a different dynamic flowing mm. through there because it is about at some point you you submit. And he's and, and he's just started watching the show as well. And he said he was interested to see that there were sort of bits of that in the family narrative as they're sort of jostling for position and who has power within the family, uh, and at what points people need to step back or submit and uh just an interesting comment that uh you know i hadn't thought about in terms of the fighting and it'd be well yeah as far as submission you mean it's about uh, accepting defeat yes yes yes. when you're being been beat yes yes absolutely yeah I, i think that that actually plays quite nicely into this narrative because there are certainly some power struggles that happen and i mean that's essentially jay's relationship with his father is all about power struggles yes they even talk about that um and that's one of the reasons why he can't train him um, is because Jay just won't listen. He won't submit to yep. to the coaching, right? And he has the ability to be a world-class fighter, but he just doesn't have the ability to listen and submit. So, yeah, those are those are very important. Um, so, look, I'd hope people who, who like sort of um, intense family drama, I think people who like Donovan uh, would like this. Would that be a fair... Yeah, 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 absolutely. Ray, Ray Donovan, Donovan um, good, uh, I, I think if you like that, um, I, you know, any anything where you like some gritty family drama, I have to say, uh, f- for a narrative that is certainly in terms of the number of characters quite male dominated, I liked. I think the female characters are quite well drawn, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, again, being set in LA and presenting another side of LA is always going to be a hook that will will get me. And I really love the look of this show. That was that was something that also stood out to me. I like the way it's uh I like its cinematography and its style. It's it's trying to look different. Yeah, I, I think it does. It's got a did you ever now here's a, a show that I wish we could review but it's been gone so long. Did you ever watch um Huff? Yes, yes, yes. That was set in yeah. LA as well. And uh, it kind of, there's a little bit of reminiscence about that where Huff's brother sort of lived down by the yep. beach in that sort of beach house, right? A similar sort of um, stylings to that, I thought. Uh, I love that show, Huff. Um, maybe we need to do a, a nostalgia episode <laughs> at some, at, yeah. at some <laughs> point. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Kingdom, give it a go. I think it's been renewed um, for another season, so... Yeah, oh, I, actually, I it's if... been renewed for two seasons. So, ten episodes wow. this season, ten next year, and ten the following year. So that's sort of nice. Holy cow! Sort of nice great. to know yeah. that there's, uh, you know, that set out for you. So you don't have to worry about getting into it and having it um, cancelled from under you. You will have at least thirty episodes to watch. Absolutely, and I think that um, 
even if you're not a fight fan, you could enjoy it just like you were into a football fan for Friday oh, for Night sure. Lights. I think you could you could definitely enjoy this, and uh, you know, it's uh, if nothing else, you can watch a Jonas Brother. <laughs> and look, I think. Uh- Another thing, I always like it when shows really take you into a different world. Now, whatever that world is, whether it's another planet or another culture, whether it's a period drama or a, um, a you know, science fiction or fantasy world, and I think that's what this show does very well too. It takes me into a world I don't know anything about, makes it feel very real and gives, a, you know, a background and a context for this family drama that, you know, if it was set on a you know, in a white picket suburban neighbourhood, I'm not going to be watching it. But this gives it a different context. A very rare thing on American television is to see people who aren't comfortably middle class or, or more, you know, in the in the narrative. Uh, very rare to see working class um, people. And I think uh, that, you know, gi- again, gives it a whole other a level of um, interest to, to look at. Yeah, one of the other things I really liked about it is it's actually set in the real world. So they mention the UFC and they mention, you know, people who work in the UFC, Dana White and, and things like that. So that's kind of exciting to me. So I'm really kind of excited to see where they take it. I've only been four episodes in, but I mean, I could really see it going to where they, you know, they raise a fighter up and he's a contender. Mm. And, you know, you go through all that world and dealing with those people and what that's like. I can, to me, I think it would be a really fantastic journey. So hopefully that's something. That mm. And maybe that's why they've given uh, the, the forward commitment as well, because that's the sort of thing you would need to plan out, you know, sort of if you're going to do mm-hmm. something in parallel or at least uh, working alongside sure. the, the real world um, of uh, UFC. Sure. Yeah, and the fans are out there. So if they can get the Ooh, word yeah. to fight fans that it's out there, um, they'll be very successful. So, yeah, we'll definitely recommend it. Okay. for Now, let's move on to a show that may not be definitely recommended. <laughs> um, we reviewed a show, and I, I just want to point out that, again, this was Jules' <laughs> recommendation. Uh, and it's a show called Town of the Living Dead. Welcome to our real town where making a real zombie movie has become a real way of life. We've been filming this for almost six years. Anything that could go wrong has gone wrong. This is not the worst day that we've had. Town of the Living Dead, all new series, Tuesday, October 7th. Miss the shot of the boat. Damn it! On Space. Look, I picked this actually without even having seen it because, again, uh, look, I think it's nice to let people know about the stuff that's out there that that isn't going to get coverage and, you know, things like Kingdom are not going to be, you know, mentioned or reviewed or you're not going to stumble over lots of comments on Twitter about it Um, and to each their own. uh, We've established I love, uh, I will watch a reality cooking show from any country in the world. Ryan will watch any reality show <laughs> featuring beardy men. and With gold with, or With gold snow. or yep. snow or oil. <laughs> um, and Town of the Living Dead, I thought, brought together a couple of our interests. So reality TV shows and zombies. So... And, and, filmmaking. and filmmaking, which, yes. Mm-hmm. So it's set in a small town in, I'm going to say, Alabama. Uh, town of Jasper, so a very small town. And so the story goes that the people at Sci-Fi found this uh, woman, this group of people who for the last couple of years have been trying to make their own um, 
uh, actually six years, zombie movie. Um, and Tina, who's the, the producer, I said putting in air quotes, um, have been trying to make this movie. And they've basically said, you know, if you can finish the movie, well, two things. We'll make a reality TV show about you making the movie. And if you can finish the movie, we'll show it on sci-fi. Um is that how sci-fi gets all the time? I was going to say, possibly not so much different than, uh, except for the wonderful Sharknado series and um, yeah. giant, uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. And Octopus. Right. Um, uh, not Octopus. Anyway, uh, sorry, I'm going off on a whole other tangent there. Um, so basically, this is a half-hour show. It, it, each episode focuses on, you know, the the trials and tribulations of of making this zombie movie in this small town with no money. Uh, I'm not even sure there's actually a script, <laughs> um, uh, and people who have no experience at filmmaking, uh, which is is the fascinating uh, part of it as well. Uh, what do you think of Town of the Living Dead, Ryan? I think it's bullshit that you gave us this assignment and then only watched one episode yourself. <laughs> I watched two. I, I watched two and, episodes. <laughs> oh, okay, two. Two half hours. Uh, well, I watched three, so... Um, it's a reality series. I don't think we mentioned yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, I know, is, I said that. It is officially a reality yeah. series. Um, or a docudrama. It's a reality series. They call them. Unscripted well, series. slightly um, scripted, I think we can <laughs> say in places. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I... I didn't hate it. It's fine. It's... It, to me, it's a, a bunch of, and I, uh, I don't mean to be an asshole saying this, but it's a bunch of dumb Americans <laughs> doing dumb things. Um, and no, nothing against Americans, just the dumb ones. Um, and it's, uh, I, you know, you're voyeuristic. I feel, you. I think you and I both have that thing where when somebody does something embarrassing, it's really yes. hard to watch. And I would rather turn away and, and turn yeah. it off than to watch somebody go through that embarrassment. I, I have that sense watching this whole thing for everyone, everyone involved. Um, I think it's super contrived. Yeah. I think that uh, you know the producer's fingerprints are all over it, setting up these quote unquote unscripted situations. Yes. Um, as a filmmaker or quote unquote filmmaker, it pisses me off to see these people being so dumb about <laughs> things. Um, you know, there's so much. You know, like the characters are funny, I guess, but I, I, I think they're just small town dummies that are being taken advantage of by a television show to film them being dumb. Um, you know, I don't. It's fine, I guess. I, I know that there's going to be a lot of people that really think this is great. It's not the quite the same as um, what was that documentary called? American filmmaker. Oh yes, yep. Is is that yeah. what I'm thinking of when he makes Coven? Yeah. And about them making yes. that. I mean, it's very similar to that, but um, I don't know. I I, I, I find it very hard. Yeah, to and it, it, look, it does. Um, I don't watch many of the these style of uh, reality shows, and it does straddle that line between are these people being mocked, um, as you say, and, and sort of set up. Uh, and and part of me almost sort of feels sympathy for that. That are they presented just for us to laugh at? Um, there's actually an interesting story in here, and and part of me thinks if you had have made a seventy minute documentary about this, you probably could have got a good mm-hmm. story out of it. I, I, I think there are interesting mm-hmm. characters. I love to see people who've got a passion, who you know, in the absence of talent or knowledge or money. Pursue it, and I think that's interesting. There's some wonderful characters uh, in this, 
but in a way that the inherent um, interestingness of the story and the characters almost gets obliterated by the crassness of this sort of reality type of show because, you know, putting the, you know, scripted, setting up the situations that they do set obviously set up and, and, and giving them lines in various places actually takes away from what's inherently interesting about the story is, yeah, a bunch of, of, of ordinary people who have a, a passion to do something. And I think uh, you could, yeah, you could make a really good, you know, short documentary about, about this and uh, – or, you know, maybe if there was a, a documentary – and notice I'm saying documentary and not reality show uh, – series mm-hmm. that perhaps – each week looked at people taking on the impossible and, you know, maybe making a film or someone else who's, I don't know, building a castle in Iowa or something or um, those sort of, you know, maybe slightly folly projects could be really interesting. But to stretch this over whatever it is, a dozen half-hour episodes, it's sort of like that, which is why I didn't watch more. You know what it's going to be. After you've met all the characters, you're sort of like, oh, yeah, uh, I don't need to see any more of this. Um, yeah. It's the sort of thing, if it was on, I wouldn't necessarily rush to change the channel, but I'm also not going to give it my um, my full attention. Your, or your precious oh, viewing time. Oh, my precious time. viewing time when I could be watching more Kingdom. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. look, if you like that sort of uh, half-hour you know, TV. It's certainly light. I mean, you're not going to be bogged down with having to think while you're watching it other than thinking, wow, that's really contrived situation. You know, in one of the episodes, I don't know if, I think it was the third episode, they talk about the director and his mom, Pearl, who's a real pain in the ass and always getting involved. And, you know, so they bring her in and like, oh, here's Pearl, here she comes, and, you know, they're filming, and she'll just walk right down in there and be like, honey, why aren't you paying attention to me? I need to know, talk to you about something, and he's like, mom, yeah, I'm working. It's... And this happens about three times, and then she shows up, and she brings food, and she's like, why aren't you, you know, pay attention to me? And it's just like, oh, please, this is not... Uh, this is just dumb. <laughs> the boat exploding, did you no. see that? Oh, yes, the boat, yes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was just dumb uh, to begin with, and I don't know. It's I, I just I, I do feel like it's um, exploitative in some way. Exploitative in a very large both place. both of the people in it and possibly of its audience. Um, yes, yes. And again, it's interesting yes. how the form of something. So the for, you know over the past fifteen twenty years, the re- rise of this form of reality show versus what. You know, 20 years ago, it would have been made as a documentary um, or it would have been yeah. a, um, uh, a feature story on some sort of magazine-type program. You know, I don't know, you know, 60 Minutes type. It would have been a light piece on that about, oh, we went to this town in Alabama and here's an eight-minute piece about the making a zombie movie. Uh, the thing that really annoys me too is you there's not a lot of care put into it. Uh, you don't get the feeling that the people making this actually believe or care about it because it's it's got the production values that are about on a par with the movie that's being made, I think. And that annoys me because it's like, look, if you're going to make something, you know, put a bit of effort into it. You know, it might be a cheap way to make telly, but um, I, I would have much rather seen sci-fi put their money into actually doing maybe a 
Project Greenlight sort of thing where they really looked for good scripts and supported some some good young horror filmmakers to make short films or something. I mean, I think uh, that would both benefit, you know, individuals in the industry and and be more interesting to watch than this sort of dreck, really. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that there's a definite uh, lack of real any, any sort of imagination on... Uh, sci-fi side and they're certainly not trying to improve the quality of filmmaking they're just trying to make fun of it and uh, use it for their gain really i mean they're the only ones making money out of it so poor taste sci-fi shame well, on you. particularly given you know only a couple of weeks ago i think i uh, reported on a news story about how you know sci-fi wanted to go you know go back to its days of battlestar galactica and doing quality dramas because they sat down and yeah. watched this and went what the <laughs> I'm sure for the same amount of money, even if they had sponsored some sort of project where you you got people just to make, you know, I'm talking really short films, you know, five or ten minute films, um, that could have been interesting. You could have had some of the personality behind the scenes stuff and you could have um, built some, you know, supported some talent and maybe discovered, you know, the sort of people who might actually end up working on a quality drama so um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's sort of annoying i think uh maybe it does reflect that sci-fi needs to sit down and and have a good long hard look at itself and and um what it's doing not to say you could do something like this that could be both hilarious but that would probably be a scripted show like if this had have been a scripted half hour comedy about people in a small town making a zombie movie good premise for a sitcom Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but basically what they've said is who needs a script? Let's just film people and, um, let's just film the real thing. Yeah. yeah. Too bad. It's too bad. <laughs> um, I think they can do better. I don't know what the hell's going on in the last five years with sci-fi, with discovery channel, with the learning channel, with, you know, all these have just gone in the friggin' yeah. toilet. I mean the 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 quality of programming on uh, Discovery is 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 down, and that that has my gold shows on it and stuff like that, which I love and I think are actually very high quality yeah. shows. But to me, Discovery Channel was about science. Well, and Discovery and Chan- about- and History Channel, you know, yes, they were originally document supporting documentaries about, um, uh, you know real history and quality, you know, investigations into science things. And uh, um, now there's a lot of drossy uh, dreck of of this sort of reality stuff, which... um, Which I I enjoy. Some of it's great. I mean, history has the curse of Oak Island, which is one of my favorite shows. Don't get me started on Beauty Men's Search for Treasure. (laughs) Um, but I, I really, I mean, maybe that one has a place on history because it's about treasure from a couple hundred years ago, maybe. But, you know, um, American Pickers or uh, Pawn Stars, all great shows. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're fantastic. But do they really belong on history? Yeah. Why not change it to something else if, if you can? And Discovery needs to go back to its roots. Do you remember, um, did you ever watch Friends? And... Uh, you know, they're saying, hey, Ross, why don't you come out with us uh, uh, Saturday? He's like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Every channel's got a special about bumblebees yes, I'm yeah. really excited about. Yeah, you're not going to see that nowadays. You're going to see Mythbusters and, you know, blowing stuff yeah. up. So I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but to me it would be – it. these shows all are great and they have a place and 
I, I feel bad that they've gotten away from what made those channels great. I don't know if you've ever watched National Geographic Channel, uh, but my God, is that ever a load of <laughs> shit? And it's got like aliens come oh, to yes, life shows, ancient it's got aliens, all this Area yeah. Fifty One stuff. Um, I mean, that's not National Geographic. I don't care who you are. Yep. So I want to find out who's making these changes because I'm sure it's the same person <laughs> and uh, have them fired. Uh, and I think they're underestimating. Uh, you only have to look at um, the interest around the movie Interstellar that's just come out, which a lot of right. that was about the science of it. And I know, uh, I think... Whoa, spoiler. <laughs> it's a movie <laughs> about space. Oh, no! Um <laughs> and I think it was a, a year or two ago, uh, the uh, our probably only uh, celebrity astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson did a, a remake of the Carl Sagan, uh, well, remake, a new version of the Carl Sagan series Cosmos. You know, and there is... Right. Oh, look. And was it on Discovery Channel? No. Nope. Uh, it was on NBC, I think, yes. or Fox or uh, And, you know, there is interest out there, I think... Uh, I'm going to get on a little soapbox here. I think the lack of, of literacy around around science and around history um, is one of the big problems. You only have to look at, certainly in just about any country, um, some of the politicians' comments about anything that ever comes up about science, from climate change to uh, Ebola, to, to know that there's a great vacuum of scientific knowledge and that, you know, goes right across the population. I think... Um, Science history are fascinating and interesting, and they have great stories to tell. And you can tell them in a way that um, people are going to eat up. And it's not—it's not because the audience isn't out there. Yes, it is harder to make, you know, a show about the history of Canada uh, in the nineteenth century than it is to make uh, to film, you know people in a small town making a show about zombies um and i think that but i think that's to the detriment i mean hey if you're going to make a reality tv show follow some scientists around you know we've mm -hmm. just landed a you know the european space agency just landed on a friggin' comet for god's sake you know and what took the headlines was a picture of kim kardashian yeah Bass. like where's where's the people doing the behind the scenes of how you launch and land a comet that used harp oh they're there but they're just yeah. on the website <laughs> i mean it used a freaking yeah. harpoon to attach itself i mean it was amazing stuff yeah. and i just think that uh it says something about the people who are running television who also uh, you know both aren't interested in that themselves and don't see it as stories that would sell but i think you only have to look at something like interstellar and 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 this is a show this is a movie that actually tackles science in terms of trying to explain things around relativity and 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 some really high concept stuff while telling a a, a rollicking good yarn if you like and um and people are really engaging with that so um off the soapbox now um please people on television uh, History Channel, go back to making shows about history. Discovery Channel, go out and discover shit. <laughs> yeah, please. We need you to help. <laughs> we can't do it all ourselves. Um, no. So, yes, watch. But we will continue to fight for good television and we'll continue to sift out the direct to bring you reviews of what you should be watching and what you should be spending your precious time on. Because life is too short for bad TV. Am I right, You are Jules? certainly right with that, Ryan. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode about TV. You should be watching, I think, next week. 
she said, covering for the fact that she has no idea what we're talking about next week. Yes, next week we're talking about Constantine. So you oh, need no, to get I'm up, on I'm that, up to date please. with Constantine. Oh, good. I have not watched a single minute of it. And then we're also talk, talking about a Canadian television program called Strange Ooh. Empire, which I did watch the first few minutes of, and I need to... Uh, I need to sit down and watch do. some more. You definitely do. Very interesting show. Um, and both of those are ones that um, are worth your time and certainly worth us talking about. Uh, thanks for listening. Drop us a line at tvchinwag.com on Twitter. Agree with us, disagree with us. Please review us on iTunes. And we will talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening.